everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by The Deeps. So we're rounding out Amazon Prime Day, week. I don't even know mm-hmm. how long it lasts, but I do know Multiple that Multiple days, over. which is confusing. Right. I went with my cart, had some things in the cart, went to check out today and realized it's over. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> That's... I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, that's a big blow <laughs> when you're expecting some yeah. deep discounts. <laughs> it was like, there went $6 off that. <laughs> well, I feel like I didn't mm-hmm. make the most of it. Yeah. I have recently Clearly. moved mm-hmm. and we are in need of random things. Like, for example, mm-hmm. our shower in the primary bathroom is much taller. Mm-hmm. So, the, so we need an extra long liner and curtain so that was one of the things we got because mm-hmm. by god couldn't mm-hmm. find it in a target in a real store mm-hmm. so amazon it was um additionally and this is you know nobody cares about this but i, I got it anyway <laughs> we had a beautiful avocado tree mm-hmm. we took some avocados with us we got the pits and we got one of those vases yeah, you where did. you can put the yep yeah that was another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that arrived so you know that's what very curious about the prime day situation i mean i'm you know you have high hopes with that avocado. And let me tell you, if I walked about <laughs> 20 steps to the left out my door, I would show you said avocado plant that I mm. too have been growing in the north here. Mm-hmm. It is probably 10 years away from bearing fruit. But it's alive. <laughs> we did the toothpicks. We did uh-huh. the thing. It sprouted. I mean, it's Look probably foot and a half. Okay. You know, I've got a All green right. thumb. I've got yeah. a green thumb. And it's true. This is a surprising fact mm-hmm. about Kelly Ellers mm-hmm. that gets revealed mm-hmm. in bits and pieces on this very podcast. <laughs> um, well, I'm sorry about your prime day. Um, that Same. sounds like a bust. But there's always, I feel like they do it more than every Same. once a year. It's and more than an annual. It's like a semi-annual thing. It is. And it? they try to lure you in. Everyone yeah. does. And then you're there and you're like, this isn't a deal and I don't need this. <laughs> That's I don't need to buy reusable plastic sandwich bags anymore. Um, no, we don't need those. I'm maxed we don't. Out. But I did need a shower curtain. I did, did. need that. So it you did work water out everywhere. For me. Otherwise, it's because we got the regular one without thinking. And then you've got a good mm-hmm. foot of expo- anyway. Yeah. Not great. You Hopefully you the landlord's not listening. See your you could feet. that's that's yeah, that's the worst part of it. <laughs> Definitely you could see my feet and not that the water was just pouring out of anyway anyway you know there's something in the news too about mirrorless haircuts and it's happening across the pond in this particular article Mm -hmm. um glamour magazine reported that um there was a particular salon and they were realizing that people didn't like to stare at themselves the whole time in the mirror and you know thinking about it i don't either i don't i never feel more unattractive than when I'm Same. sitting in a barber slash salon chair with the cape on looking and I'm just like, what just is a, my face? Just a little peanut what head is at this the top. Fa- yeah. Mm-hmm. What it, and then it's like mm-hmm. you, when they pull the hair and so it's like, it's what bad. is how? It, so I applaud them. Honestly, I don't I ever want to see myself. Like I'd much prefer, like at the end, maybe we have like a little hand mirror situation. I'm like, like, looks oh. good. Yeah, yeah. But that in between nothing more mm-hmm. painful. And if you've ever been in a salon where, why don't the light, like, like, do they sit down and look at the light themselves? Like, 
sometimes I put on extra makeup and self tanner just mm-hmm. to go to the salon, mm-hmm. so I don't look like a when total troll sitting when in the chair. Sta- I complete. I mean, that does and not I don't sound crazy at all. No, I'm, well, who does? But I mean, <laughs> look at you for thinking ahead because I, I can do a real number to your self esteem. I'm being see. I like so again. I I know maybe we should all embrace this. I mean, certainly the mirror is helpful for the stylist. I'm not going to deny, but I mean. Here's the thing. This particular journalist said that one now reoccurring insecurity of hers was born in a hair salon. It's persisted since she realized her head is bigger on one side. Oh, no. Like, you can't unsee that now. You can't. Like, is it it. like, I mean, it's us staring into Zoom every day, too, right? But whatever. That's another one. That's another. Mm, Anywho. Yeah. Oof. Well, (laughs) we'd actually like to hear about that. I mean, so if you are evaluating whether or not mirrors are doing some damage to Mm -hmm. self-esteem and mental health in your salon space or barbershop, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, And if you've never thought about it and you have feelings now, again, we want to hear. Get in touch. So on last week's episode, I talked with the one and only Shane Wolf. Shane is the worldwide president for U.S. brands in the professional products division at L'Oreal. Quite a title. Holy smokes. Mm -hmm. A trained hairdresser. He spent over 28 years in the industry holding various leadership positions. He's worked across all of the top brands, Redken, Matrix, Biolage, Kerastase, Purology, Pulpright, Mazzani, and on and on. Throughout his career, he has been inspired to build brands with a mission to improve the world through responsible production of products and innovation to reduce the environmental impact and social causes. He was a delight. I mean, so great. If you haven't listened to that pod, go back, go rewind. Do we rewind? I don't know. Anyway, um, hit the button. If you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. And on this week's episode, we talk with Douglas Smythe. Douglas Smythe was first introduced to traditional shaving as a child, watching his dad shave on the weekends like so many of us. Fast forward to today, and you find him and his business, Phoenix Shaving, trailblazing at the forefront of the traditional wet shaving revival that we're currently seeing crop up all over the world, but especially here in the States. Douglas is also co-host of the popular morning show, I'd Rather Be Shaving, which is kind of amazing, and an organizer of the Big Shaves West, a yearly shave festival held each year in sunny Mesa, Arizona. Aside from creating some of the most epic shaving gear, Douglas has also developed the Phoenix Shaving Universe over the last decade, consisting of an ongoing saga found on most sales pages. Due to the cult following of the long-running story, Douglas finally published the most recent three in 2021, available in paperback and ebook. Douglas also runs a YouTube show and has a documentary. There's so much that he does. We're going to get into all of the things shaving, why you should maybe throw out your Gillette razor, unless they're sponsoring this podcast, then we would tell you (laughs) the exact opposite. Um, But before we get started, we got something to talk about. And that's this trend that you brought to my attention that shocked me, Kelly. And that is Mm -hmm. that people are getting rid of shampoo for pantry items. Yeah. I mean, say it isn't so, but it's so, you know, the no, I'm not saying this word, P-O-O, the no movement which was a backlash against modern hair care, you know, this switch takes a lot of commitment. I'm not going to lie. So it's also a trend that's on TikTok. So people are like ditching their products instead of washing 
with shampoo, they're using things like egg yolks to vinegar. People are saying the eggs are key. I might oh. smell like scrambled eggs, which is definitely not in my wheelhouse. No. I'm first of all, I'm not in tune with smelling like anything except Santal 33. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know. What do you think of this? I mean, yes, it's zero waste, but like, can we afford, can we afford this for our locks? I don't know. I, I just, there's a, so Chloe Hall, we love mm-hmm. and respect her. Elle's beauty director, digital beauty director, um, talked a little bit about how we're cutting down, cutting back, rethinking, saving mm-hmm. money. I get that. I mm-hmm. don't want to reach into like mm-hmm. an egg car. I'm like, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not. No. So uh, certainly I think it makes sense. I get it. I think we should all be more mindful. I would rather purchase product that is being manufactured sustainably packaging. That's environmentally friendly glass. Bottle. Like there's plenty of options. Yeah. I think I don't, I'm, I'm just not into like a, this isn't one for me. us. Yeah, th- yeah, this is a trend where you could miss me on this one. Um, I know Total that's miss. taken off. I, I just, I'm not, TikTok did not make me do this one, basically, is it what didn't, I'm trying to and say. I don't know how, like, you try it once, but I don't think it's very sustainable, I'm just saying. Um, no. We need our salon professional experts out there. We mm-hmm. need the chemists. We need them making clean products, green products, mm-hmm. sustainable products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are not using eggs, even though someday I'd like for you to get chickens Maybe and um, have them in your backyard and try this. I, I mean, I was going to say, what is that? Is that the next <laughs> natural? It's first you get chickens and then you're making no. The egg. Chicken oh, or the oh, egg. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, too much. Yeah, too much. Yeah, All right. Yep. Here we are. Um, but again, we want to hear from you. If you are into these mm-hmm. remedies, these home hair wash things, let us know. I mean, certainly there's space for all of it. Um, Kelly and I are not currently convinced, but you could convince mm-hmm. us. So do your best. We're open to advice. Indeed. All right. Well, let's talk about what is trending on our site, thetease.com. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week uncovering industry news, looking into trends and diving into brands that you don't know, but you probably should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, she's literally everywhere, isn't she? Um, yeah. Well, professionals, chief blonding officer, Zach Mesquite, spills on how to get the Barbie blonde that you're seeing everywhere. While blonde hair always tends to be in style, it appears that this summer, the beloved hair color is having an even more of a moment than usual. But it's not just any shade of blonde that's trending. Try Barbie blonde. And with the anticipation surrounding Greta Gerwig's upcoming live action movie adaptation starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, we don't see that this hair color trend is dying down anytime soon, especially for the guys. I mean, his hair color blew up. Anyway. That's why the T spoke with Bella Professionals Brand Ambassador and Chief Blonding Officer Zach Mesquite for extra tips on how stylists can achieve Barbie's iconic blonde look with their clients. Go to thetease.com, check it out. It is worth your time. The question that I've got for you, Kelly. Yes. You mm-hmm. ever, ever go Barbie blonde? If I could go there, I would. <laughs> Not the answer that I expected. I was I was going to concede I, that like uh, maybe a wig. I could see a like beautiful blonde wig. A la I could do that as well. But oh god, I love that look. I mean, the it's machino just, it's Barbie, just, but anyway. I just don't know if it's in my hair health future. I mean, you know, I had the pandemic crisis. Let's go blonde. <laughs> I'm still, and I was you like, got, and let's you got be pretty clear. light. You, you I got, got pretty light for you, but not without you know 
all of the breakage, which mm-hmm. I knew was the risk factor. Mm-hmm. And I did mm-hmm. Olaplex and I plexed and I bonded and I did all mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it would take me a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. And I say, if I was a blonde, I would be as white as possible. Mm-hmm. So there, mm-hmm. I okay. will say that the tips, you know, like Ken, I mean, he's fully blonde, but as mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm not afraid for my mom to run my little boy's hair through a frosting cap and their and tips are incredible. as white as Ken. And as I'm here white as the pure driven snow. I mean, those yeah. highlights are. And we also case. use Olaplex and toner and my children are going to be very savvy about hair and that's just mm-hmm. the world they're living so go barbie blonde let's go, go barbie i had to <laughs> let's let's go party indeed uh all right next up on the tease.com something that you should probably know about is six reasons why you'll love alley-oop mm-hmm. with innovative packaging skin-friendly formulas and an affordable price point it's hard not to fall in love with alley-oop but just in case you need a little more convincing the tease team lists six reasons why their multifunctional beauty and skincare products deserve a spot in your beauty routine mm-hmm. among them efficient products read to see what we mean by that travel-friendly packaging and more kelly which reason convinced you to take a more serious look at alley-oop you know, I think for them, you know, they've got particularly like multitasking tools, which, mm-hmm. for example, some brushes that have different ends and different options in one brush, which also contributes to sustainability. Mm-hmm. I don't need three. I just need one. And then I'm also like akin to their eyeliner pencils because they're like the old school, like pick a Look color pen, mm-hmm. 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 which I'm totally here for. And again, it's like three, four and one. So they figured it out over there at LU. They and figured I also it out. like their name. I think it's cute. It's a cute name. I really think one of the reasons that's not listed that maybe should have is nostalgia. I mean, you just nailed it. That whole click and oh, right. we'd love to see it. They really tapped okay. into something there. What color did you most often click? Blue, red, green, or black on the pen? So as a click it pen child... <laughs> Blue exclusively. Blue always, Whoa. every time. Never right. any others. Uh, or all of them at huh. once, and then you just like went crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but in my current adult life, I never opt for anything that is not a black pen. If okay. you caught me with another oh color, I would rather it's I'm these are no. things this is something I didn't know about you. See? Like we've discovered that you've got a green thumb, and now mm-hmm. you all know that I cannot stand a pen which is not black ink. Whoa. Okay. I'd My rather, mind is blown. Yep. And I feel like jump out a window. Next time I see you, I'm gonna play all sorts of tricks on you. <laughs> Give me a pink pen, only a pink pen to write with. I would probably eat the pen. Um okay, but that's neither here nor there. Uh you should check out more. Go to the tees.com, read about all of the reasons why you should mm-hmm. get into LU. And we want to hear about it. All right, the next thing that is trending on the site, and it's really no surprise given who owns this beauty brand. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we said that we weren't going to talk about celebrity beauty brands, but there's an exception to every rule. And that's why this article is everything on Pleasing's micro collection, Shroom Bloom, as it was, is not the only hit on Harry Styles' hands. Enter Pleasing, his beauty slash skincare slash lifestyle brand. First launched with nail polishes, Styles has since expanded into serums, balms, and even apparel. And it's all very, very good. Most recently, mm-hmm. Pleasing dropped a micro collection called Shroom Bloom in partnership with Cool Earth, an organization that backs people who protect the rainforest and fight climate crisis. The psychedelic-inspired campaign imagery features the one and only Nick Fleetwood. 
mm-hmm. of obviously a Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Read more on the tease.com. Kelly, I gotta know. Thoughts on the new collection? Are we cool enough to use it? You for sure. <laughs> I think that the packaging is the bomb. If saying the bomb is cool, I don't know. It's drippy. I love it. And I love, love like the shroom bloom set with the little caps. I don't paint my fingernails. Like I go to a pro, I need Mm -hmm. long nails Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. extensive artwork. Yep. 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 However, they would be so beautiful just sitting in your cabinet. So I'm here for that. I think Harry is putting his wild imagination to it. Mm -hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Well, I mean, what isn't there <laughs> to say? I, I'm so intrigued by the entire thing. I, I I hadn't really gotten into the first pleasing club. I was kind of like, what yeah. is this? And I know it was like yeah. a soft launch and it was like, oh, it's Harry's show. But this, I, I'm really, I'm really feeling, especially for summer, like psychedelic weirdo vibes. Like, let's get into it. Let's get and weird. The apparel's great. Oh I my mean, God. there yeah. is a frog sort of utilizing a mushroom pole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that in this story, I mean, you're not, you're not, great. you nailed it. It's you nailed cute. it. That's exactly what's so happening. Cute. There's a very, very flirty frog, everybody, um, that features Indeed. prominently in mm-hmm. the apparel. So get into it. I mean, like go to the tease.com, see what we're talking about, check out what's happening with pleasing. And then if you add it to cart, let us know if you're going to rock a pleasing shirt, tag us. We want to see it. Um, do you think anyone down. has ever used these two words together? A flirty frog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I wonder, I wonder, like when the brief yeah. came down to the artist and the name is yes. escaping me. Um, I remember woman. How LA it was Bates. presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where they're like, well, mm-hmm. we, we really, or she pitched them. She was like, now I've got an idea. Yeah. It's going to be a frog. But that and frog's. Yeah, that frog's gonna be a little Edgy. sassy, a little, full. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be getting getting down with a mushroom pole. I mean, really, it's 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 a next level. Pole. I don't I don't even know what to say. Um, but really, me neither. We're gonna get yeah. edited again. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of those things where we've gone on too long. But we're curious. So if you mm-hmm. are into it, let us know. If you're not mm-hmm. into it, we also want to hear about that. Um, tell us why you're not into it. But as always, there's so, so much going on at thetees.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We're proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, Jeff's conversation with Douglas Smith of Phoenix Shaving on how to get a proper shave, trends in visual hair, and oh, so much more. Douglas Smythe was first introduced to traditional shaving as a child, watching his dad shave on the weekends. Fast forward to today and find him in his business, Phoenix Shaving, trailblazing on the forefront of the traditional wet shaving revival we're currently seeing crop up around the world. His passion for male grooming and traditional shaving became the focal point of his business, and Phoenix Shaving was born. Almost immediately, folks began to take notice of Phoenix Shaving's daring sense and creative approach to all things shaving, and within two years, both him and his business partner were featured in Forbes magazine. Douglas is also co-host of the popular morning show at Latherby Shaving and an organizer of the Big Shaves West, a yearly shave festival held each year in sunny Mesa, Arizona. He's a lively online personality and a dynamic public speaker on all things male grooming with a concentration in the art and technique of traditional shaving. Aside from creating some of the most epic shaving gear, Douglas has also developed a Phoenix shaving universe over the last decade, consisting of an ongoing saga found on most sales pages. 
Reoccurring characters and themes can be found in labels and adverts. Often they contain clues in the form of codes, symbols, and anagrams. Due to the cult following of the long-running story, Douglas finally published the most recent three in 2021, available in paperback and ebook. Fans of sci-fi and the paranormal are really enjoying them, and sales have been kind of off the hook for a soap maker. As their motto states, Phoenix shaving more than just shaving. Douglas also runs the YouTube show and has a documentary. Let's get into it. Hey, Douglas, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's great. It's going great, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. All right, let's get into it. If you wouldn't mind, <laughs> let's just let's hit the ground running. Um, okay. Tell us about yourself. How did you get into the salon professional barbering men's grooming beauty space? Well, okay, that's a long story. You covered a little bit of it in your introduction there, but uh, I kind of grew up in it. My mother was a hairstylist. My grandfather dabbled in barbery and uh, in barbarism too. If you depending who you talk to. Uh, <laughs> I used to watch my dad also shave on the weekends, like with a safety razor, traditional safety razor, as opposed to a cartridge razor, which most pappies were doing back in the day. Uh, and he would set me up next to him by the sink on a little stool and give me oh, a safety razor too, without a blade, obviously, but lather me up. And so that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, the extended story, origin story, really starts with me swinging in a hammock somewhere in Central America, the edge of the rainforest on a beach yes. somewhere a few years back. And then coming back after four years away, to this country to a whole different uh universe where um there was this thing called etsy and it made everything just easier to do uh mm -hmm. to the ideas you were having while swinging in a hammock on a beach somewhere uh <laughs> it leveled the playing field and i again i just i got back and I, I you know well down there i was thinking if i ever made it back to the states this is what i would do uh mm -hmm. that however started with a not a grooming product but a product called i was calling it itch no mas and it was pretty much something i made for myself i was getting bit by sand fleas and I know first world problems in the third world. And um, I whipped this concoction with what was available to me in the pharmacies down there. And it was so effective in treating with these bites that even like, you know, locals and other tourists were knocking on my tent flaps, so to speak, to get something. <laughs> and uh, that's where I was like, you know, if I ever make it back to the States, I'll sell this stuff. I'll, I'll ship it down here. And I didn't think that was ever going to happen. It was just like, it wasn't even like a well thought out thing. It was just something I said jokingly. And but eventually I did make my back, way back to the States and did end up trying this again, this different world playing field was level when it came to releasing and producing products. Um, and I did just that and it killed it. And there was a sister product too called stink no mass, which was an emergency insect <laughs> repellent slash deodorant. So as you sweat, it would release essential oils into the atmosphere that would repel these bugs. And that actually did better than stink no mass, but um, they both were doing well. The shipping was killing me. So I was like, I need to focus my sights more on, the United States. And with that, I started a blog called how to grow a mustache.com. Mm -hmm. um, you know, traveling around down there, I had friends that were, that just were bloggers and that's how they made their living. And I was like, you know, I need something like that. So I, yep. uh, you know, I was into a certain, you know, a certain thing at the time, grooming, uh, mustaches, so on and so forth. I mean, this is 2012, uh, pretty early in the game. And I found that the domain hadn't purchased yet. So I was like, geez, I got to start writing about mustaches. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much how it started. And then from there on in, um, uh, Anything that I was interested in, which is pretty much uh, traditional shaving, more so <laughs> than grooming, uh, took took the stage, so to speak. Anything I was interested in, I would pour into this business plan, and that's how it blew up. But since you know, for the last ten years, over a decade now, I've been you know an expert, or you know, they've been calling me an expert in uh, facial fur as well as male grooming and uh, traditional shaving. 
Well, and then you parlayed this work from blogger slash jack of all trades uh, yeah. into a proper brands. So you talked a little bit about Etsy, how this leveled the playing field for folks to introduce products. So talk to us a little bit about brand building. Um, how did it come to be? How did you get the name, partners? Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't happen so easy with me. Like, I, okay. So <laughs> the, I had this blog now called how to grow a mustache.com. Mm-hmm. The trick was is getting traffic there. I was writing three articles a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, you know, I could be an affiliate or something like that, but that wasn't really happening fast enough for me. Um, I was working really hard. So I was like, you know, I really need to tr- create my own products here. And that's why I still had, you know, it's no mass on the brain, but I also had well, mustache wax. I was making for myself for years. I was like, well, let me do that. So I released a mustache wax and a shaving soap. And the shaving soap really was a joke, actually. I, w- I made it for myself. It was a special mm. traditional scent called Bay Rum that I couldn't find anyone else making. So I-, I made it for myself. I sent it off to two other bloggers. Actually, one of them was a writer and the other one's a blogger. And just, hey, guys, try this stuff out I made. It wasn't nothing more than that. And both of them replied with, you know, when is it going to be for sale? So I was like, mm. oh, that's interesting. So I released that too. And I was calling it, you know, the brand name was how to grow a mustache, but for shaving products, it really made no sense. Right. Um, although you do need to shave to, you know, to build a mustache, but a lot of mm-hmm. people miss that. Anyways. Um, so the length name was really long, uh, really had not, very little to do with what I was now selling to shaving products. Um, and then my girlfriend's a business here, another, her own uh, soap business, body soaps primarily, but she started doing shapes as well. We eventually combined forces so she was pedal pusher fancies. I was how to grow a mustache. I'd been doing some design work for her in the background and she had mm-hmm. been, you know, showing me some things as well. Um, but eventually we joined forces and that was great um, because we could now give it the proper name, a shorter name. <laughs> Although Phoenix Artists and Accoutrements is not necessarily shorter and the spelling is a bitch on a lot of folks. So we, uh-huh, we uh-huh. usually go by Phoenix Shaving. PhoenixShaving.com yep. is pretty easy. However, spelling Phoenix can be a challenge for most people as well. So if you're listening to this now, people, pick a really basic name that a third grader can type into the computer. Um, but yeah, so that's how we came up with the name. So, okay, so you got the name. Yeah, no, right. how did you go about that? How did you decide on the assortment? Like, let, let's talk about, unpack that for us. Well, the brand is, it's totally, if, I mean, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, I poured everything I was interested in into this, in which is also mm-hmm. like sci-fi, storytelling, writing, I'm a writer. So I've created this whole universe of characters around our products. Different mm-hmm. characters come and go on the labels. Each label is like a window into this universe. And then for different releases, I write a saga, an ongoing continuing saga with characters that come and go. Um, so I've actually published a, uh, some books, two eBooks, and uh, and uh, paperbacks. Uh, recently, Incredible. paperback. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, there's a whole cult falling around the story and the universe mm-hmm. as well that's going on. As you know, so it's just it's an all immersive experience to a certain extent uh, that I'm you know, and, and and the passion is there. People realize that this is what I'm really into, and I think that. It just it sells itself at that point. It's genuine and authentic is what it all comes down to. For sure. So talk to us a little bit about, in addition to the the storytelling around the brand, the thought that goes into sort of how to get it out there, what's in the product? Uh, so like, what are the best sellers? What are the things that you think that, you know, our listeners here that have not heard of Phoenix Shaving have got to check out? Well, the thing is, you know, people often, you know, new, newbie, newbie customers will ask, you know, yep. what's the top seller? What's the best yep. seller? And the thing is, when you make the products yourself, they're all bestsellers. Like, if something's not a good seller, you just don't sell yeah, it anymore. You don't do so it. <laughs> you throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. 
And that's the difference between a smaller artisan brand like us versus a larger brand like Barbasol or something like that is because mm -hmm. we can change what we're doing, you know, turn on a dime yep. where they can't. Um, so, yeah, all of our sellers are great. But, I mean, we do the whole traditional line. We bring back a lot of uh, lost fragrances, um, like classic vintage aftershave scents that your grandfather and your grandfather's grandfather probably used are no longer available because I collect them as well. So one of my hobbies is collecting vintage aftershaves. So I'm, I'm in it as well as antique razors and other you know devices around that. And uh, so we reboot old vintage razor designs too, that still worked, you know, as good today as they did when they came off the assembly line 75 years ago. And you know, that said, even antique razors, any listeners out there interested in, you know, shaving the right way, you can pick up a vintage razor on eBay and that still will shave you fine as well. It just needs a blade. Um, so, and, and there's hundreds of double edged blades available on the market now that have been opened up to us again in the last 20 years. But that was pretty much all we had for the, for years and years and years are cartridge razors or multi-blade razors, uh, at least in the United States. And I think a lot of the beard craze that's turned up, even the facial fur craze in the last 15 years, comes out of people's hatred for cartridge or hatred for shaving. Mm -hmm. And they always link it just to shaving, but it goes beyond that. It's not shaving. It's the, it's the, they're using Experience. the wrong tools for the job. Yep. Yep. It's one side. You can't use a one size fits all razor like these cartridge razors on everyone's face. We all have mm -hmm. unique skin, unique uh, hair types. Yep. And uh, where with a safety razor for the first time, you can find the right razor for your face, the right blade by experimenting the right soaps, the right aftershaves. So you can finally customize that shape for your unique face when you couldn't do that in the past. And I think a lot of these guys with the beards and caught up in this beard thing, uh, they don't realize that. Well, let's talk a little bit about the history of shaving. I mean, you talked about this, that you are dubbed, whether you like it or not. An expert. We're going to tap into that expertise. Uh, so traditional shaving, how do we get to where we're at? How do we go back to techniques that worked that sort of fell out of favor? Obviously, manufacturing sure. came into sure. to play. We'd love to hear a little bit about that. I mean, I, I know that I'm interested in this. We were itching to talk to you about this. I know that our audience is going to be really into, if you wouldn't mind, just like a little bit of the history. Like, oh, how do we get to where we're at? In fact, we, I should probably say this now. Is I have a show also, me and a friend of mine, called I'dLatherBeShaving.com. Uh -huh. And uh, for anyone listening that wants to learn more about traditional shaving uh, and the history, and, just, you know, there's a little bit of goofiness involved as well. But uh, it's I'dLatherBeShaving.com. It's a morning shave show. And me and my friend Matt, who also owns a shaving company, uh, we just... We, we get down and dirty with it, but uh, so I'll, I'll try to give it, I'll give you a little, yeah. I mean, it sounds, it's kind of like, let's see, how do I explain this? Uh, car talk. Car talk was a big thing mm -hmm. on NPR back in the day. Yep. It was, Classic. and you know, it's, it's about cars, right? I mean, like these two guys telling you how to fix your car. If you describe it to someone, it sounds completely boring, but yeah. it's so the entertaining to listen to yep. that. that most, I think both the guys are dead now, but they're, they're still playing they're still it on NPR. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I love so it. it. I, I can't stand car mechanic. Like I, it's the yeah. least interesting thing to me, but that, that show I'll always love it. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and you do pick up some stuff from just listening to that show. So we wanted to come into our show with something very similar. Now this is a, it's a show, you know, it's, it's on YouTube, so you can actually watch it. It's yep. kind of like Wayne's World meets Antique Road Show meets, <laughs> you know, American Pickers somewhere on acid in the desert. Um, it's like that. But we try to make it just as entertaining as Car Talk, whereas if you're not into shaving or if you're a woman even, uh, it'll still be entertaining to watch. And you'll pick up tips and tricks and hacks for sure. But, um, okay, so shaving begins probably in the Neolithic eras. I mean, it's really – it goes back to probably 60,000 yep. years. Um a lot of people don't realize that. I was, in fact, sitting around a Thanksgiving table one time with these really religious folks, and um, 
I had longer hair at the time, like down to my shoulders. And the kids were really excited about this. You know, they really, and one of the sons says to the dad, like, I want hair like that when I grow, grow up. And the dad's like, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and the kid was like, but Jesus had long hair. And the dad was like, that's because scissors didn't exist back then. <laughs> I almost stopped and corrected him, but I was like, I don't want to be the guy. You know? like, <laughs> but uh, no, it goes way back. I mean, Neolithic man was probably plucking hair out of his face or wherever with uh, clamshells mm. or some type of shell, like tweezers. So the, the hair was plucked at first. And then use, you know, through the use of, of sharpened shells or obsidian, you were doing closer shaves, face, the head, Egypt, they were uh, shaving their entire bodies. So, I mean, it really is an ancient old practice that is pseudo-religious to some extent in a lot of these older cultures. So that's what it's born out of. The, what we're looking at now, what we recognize as shaving, and I mean the typical on-the-street guy, uh, average mm-hmm. Joe, is cartridge razors and multi-blade razors. And we think, you know, we're getting the best shave in the world. We've seen the commercials. They're really <laughs> selling us on how much better this shave is going to be than the last one because of the extra blade. But at the end of the day, there's no better shave than just using a single blade. It's the cartridge razors and the multi-blades that where you run into problems um, before 1970, 71, you didn't see commercials about ingrown hairs or, uh, you know, a razor burn, any of these things, any and all of these things came out of the birth of the cartridge razor, the introduction of the cartridge razor on the market, which was never about a better shave. It's because Gillette and Wilkinson Sword, two razor companies at the time, were running out of the patents for their double-edged blade designs. They need something new. And so they come, out comes the cartridge razor. And it brought them from multi-million dollar companies to multi-billion dollar companies overnight. So that's the cartridge razor conspiracy. It was never really about a better shave. It was about (laughs) making more money at the end of the day. It was big razor. So, uh, Big pharma, big razor. You heard it here. Exactly. exactly. So that's what we typically recognize as shaving in this country and in some of the other countries too. But a lot of places around the world, they kept using double-edged razor blades And it's great. You know, they bought the companies from Gillette, but they left the companies from Gillette's original manufacturing plants, and they kept running them. And so we're thank God they did. Otherwise, we mm-hmm. would never have found our way back there. If the internet didn't happen when it did, a lot of this old school tech uh, would be lost to us. Like a lot of these companies and brands from back in the day, I have to go out there. It's like scent archaeology. I'm doing to some extent finding these things and bringing them back because there's so many that are gone. And there's something I find that I've never recognized. I can't find any information on it, any research. A lot of these companies are ghosts. So even though the internet came back when it did, it's still, we've lost so much. So <laughs> just trying to find our heritage when it comes to male grooming, it's, it's, it's been a chore, but it's, I also take it on as a mission. So that's part of the passion, I think, too, that comes through. Well, and why should people uh, sort of reconsider the the multi-blade cartridge? Blade, the, yeah, I mean, you talked a little bit about it. I mean, ingrown hairs, nobody likes them. Um, if you're shaving no. your face on the daily or every other or whatever. Um, I mean, unpack that a little bit for us. Like, why the single blade? Well, okay. Well, the, well, the cartridge blades, blades are the multi-blades. It's like the first blade lifts, the second blade cuts, the third blade lifts, mm-hmm. the fourth blade cuts, so on and so forth. Graphics. Yeah, exactly. Whether that's true or not at that micro level, I'm not really sure, but it makes for a killer (laughs) commercial. It's, it's, you know, exactly. uh, We love it. We've seen it. Yep. Exactly. But even if that's what's going on, that's, that doesn't sell me because that's telling me you're cutting the hair way too short. So much so it drops below the dermis and that's where it's begging to become ingrown or infected Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm, any other mm -hmm. problems. And that brings us back to why most men hate shaving. They've been doing it wrong using a one size fits all um, tool for the job and it's, it's, just been doing it wrong. Whenever I speak at any conferences, I always ask the room, how many people here hate shaving? And nine out of 10 hands go up. Yep. Or how many men think they have sensitive skin? 
nine out of 10 hands mm -hmm. go up. And that's because we've been inadvertently hurting our skin yep, for years. Yep. <laughs> yes. With these faulty tools, uh, the single blade, it has a clean cut. And the thing is with a, with a safety razor, or even a straight razor, you're, you're doing more than one pass on these commercials. Like this is the thing with these cartridges <laughs> and multi-blades, but typically you, you, you wet your face, put the lather yep. on and you do one pass rinse and you get on with your day. That's not how shaving is. Shaving, it yep. should be more than one pass. Yep. So you lather up with a brush and a soap. The brush, old school as it is, uh, it's everyone's talking about exfoliating products these days. There's mm -hmm. nothing more exfoliating, first of all, than a freaking shaving brush yep. and dragging a blade across your face. We tend to uh -huh. over exfoliate as men. They're really pushing these products on us now. And I really asked you to question that because shaving in itself is exfoliating. Yes. Mm -hmm. it's the exfoliator anyway so <laughs> you're, you're you're prepping the skin with the brush you're using you're creating warm hot lather now which you don't get that with the goo in the can goo in the can is also filled with propellants that have no business being on your face it's also mm -hmm. extra waste that ends up in a landfill at the end of the day mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i mean it's you know going back to these traditional forms of shaving is better for your face uh better for your wallet because a cartridge razor, four blades cost 25 bucks, right? Whereas uh, multi, uh, whereas DE blades, you can get a hundred for nine to $15. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I mean, be better for your face, better for your wallet and better for your planet at the end of the day, yep. because you're using yep. soap and a brush. It's reusable. You're using a steel razor now that you can pass. It's heirloom. You can pass it down to your children and your children's mm -hmm. children and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's a better tool for the job and a better cut. Better for you. Also, back to the multiple passes. So you lather up first with the hot lather. You do your uh, first pass, pass which was with you know with the grain, WTG as we say in the in the industry, with the grain, and then uh, then rinse and repeat, re-lather, and now you're going with the grain, but or not necessarily with the grain, but the other pattern across your face, uh, mm -hmm. across the grain, and then rinse and repeat, lather up again, and now you can go against the grain or you can go uh, across the grain again the other direction. How many passes you do is really a personal choice up to you and whether your skin can take it or not. Uh, I do four passes myself. So my fourth pass would be against the grain. And I know that's a that's a no-no, but that's a no-no because of cartridge raises and multiplayers. That's where you get that, you hear barbers say it and people say it, never shave against the grain. That only started becoming a popular belief after 1970. With safety raises, you can totally shave against the grain and, um, mm. and get a good cut. So yeah, it's all about the one blade and controlling how many times one blade passes over your skin because every time a blade passes over your skin, it takes off a layer of it. So when you're dragging eight blades across your face, you're taking off a lot of skin and that's what gives you sensitive skin. Um, you just have more control over the process here and it, at the end of the day, a better shave. And who doesn't want that? I mean, honestly, God. Exactly. Uh, I just, <laughs> the, the thing that you keep saying though, that really resonates with me about the men um, or folks that have beards, facial hair, really just not enjoying the experience, not liking it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you're offering some solutions. So, I mean, let's yes. take a minute again to plug where the heck they can find out more about you, more about your product. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just remind our oh, listeners, oh. how can they yes. find you? Phoenixshaving.com is the best place. Uh, there's actually a chat bot on that site too, that either ah, me or my partner is, yeah, me and my partner are, are on the other end of that chat bot. Uh, and we're happy to help whenever we can. I can talk about this stuff all day as well. It's my passion, really. Um, and that's one place. Another place would be Phoenix underscore shaving on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, we're on Facebook, Phoenix shaving. I'm also on Facebook as Douglas Smythe, where you can find me either one, one or the other. And if you have any questions or concerns, suggestions. And then again, I'd lather me shaving. And I even have my own YouTube channel where I do tips, tricks, and hacks called Douglas Smythe channel.com. <laughs> so that's easy. Really easy I mean, yeah. yeah. And we're going to include all of these in the show notes. So make sure you guys check those out. Um, let's get into some questions 
about the trends that we're seeing. So, I mean, you talked about beards have made a resurgence. Uh, This is well understood. There's way more facial hair that is in popular culture than we've seen in in a good several decades, um, which is good and bad. Um, How do you feel about them? Do you think um, it has been said that beards are like makeup for men? Would you agree, disagree? Should guys opt for facial hair if they can? What are your thoughts? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, And I would have to agree with that. Facial hair is kind of diversionary, like almost like makeup Mm -hmm. in some way. I mean, like you you can use it. You can give yourself a more shaping chin. You can Mm -hmm. hide a big nose with a big mustache. I mean, like you can really shape the way your face looks with that or or you might just enjoy the look it's totally you know i mean there's, there's a lot of a lot going on there aesthetic function uh, yeah yeah well i mean people you know typically when it comes to personal style they stop at the neck but there's so <laughs> much more to work with here and, and even it goes beyond facial hair there's also fragrances too the invisible part of your essence or your style or your fashion that people mm-hmm. forget about too and that's you know at phoenix Shaden, i offer at any one given moment probably about 70 different fragrances to choose from too so fragrance is a really big part of what we do as well. But back to the facial hair. What happens in the United States, I've noticed, um, is we get an idea from somewhere else, across the pond or yep. some other country, yep. and we take it and we exploit the hell out of it. And we really mm-hmm. like put it through this our filter and get it wrong a lot. Oh, we just get really excited. Yep, about we're going to get to that too. <laughs> yeah, we, and we get really excited with like facial hair and stuff like that. So with all these like different facial hair reality shows over the last 10 or 15 years now, it's made its way back to our culture. And so you see guys walking on the street with like these insectoid type mustaches uh-huh. that are just ridiculous. And they were, they're not necessarily historical either. It's the stuff they're seeing on shows where these guys that they're seeing on shows are competing. So mm-hmm. when you compete on stage in space for, for, for battles, you have to catch the, the judge's eyes by doing these eccentric, really like bizarre facial for motif things. And, um, but that's not something you want to do in everyday life, especially the insectoid mustache wax. I see people really getting mustache wax wrong when it comes to handlebars. They really over twist them or they twist them. The twisting a mustache uh, is, is the worst thing to do when you're using wax because it just adds tension to the mustache. And during the day, it starts mm-hmm. unwinding. But that's not the story. Um, the thing is, is we get a lot of it wrong due to pop culture. And so that's my problem. I like the more traditional looks, the more traditional styles and whatnot. I mean, I, again, maybe it's just the evolution of these things, but I can see where the evolution is starting. It's usually getting it wrong. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that what we have talked a lot about on the tees is that look, we might be at peak beard. If like default for Hollywood and popular culture is like a scruff at the minimum, um, as opposed yeah. to clean face. We're seeing like there's the big, 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 big beards um, that have been popularized and, as you said, exploited. I mean, there were so many brands that were making all sorts of products for guys oh, and yeah. beards and whatever. Um, are you thinking that we're maybe going to get a backlash? Are we going to see that people are going to lose beards um, because of how popular they are? I mean, they're, they're, these things tend to be cyclical. I mean, maybe right. you know we start seeing some clean shaven faces again. What are you What are you thinking as an expert? Well, it would, it would, it's going to happen. I mean, uh, you don't even need to be an expert to know that fashion comes and goes like that. <laughs> Look at the seventies. And that's the thing is people have these really bitching mustaches and beards in the seventies and they weren't using all the products that they're pushing on us today. Uh, now don't yeah. get me wrong. I do sell beard bombs myself. I also give, you know, tutorials on how to make your own, but if you want to buy some you know, conditioning agents and whatnot, we do sell them. Uh, but I think people tend to overuse product or use way more than they really need. To. I mean, they're buying special conditioners, shampoos, right. and all that. Right. And they get really, I mean, it's, there's, there are times when that's needed, but a lot of the times we just, as with anything else, we're overdoing it. But yeah, mm-hmm. there will be not necessarily a backlash. You know, the interesting thing is, um, let's see, I think it was, oh, who was it? Gillette. So the parent company of Gillette, which is Procter & Gamble, they own 
Gillette, which is the cartridge racers, the multi-blade racers, but they also own, unless they don't anymore, but there was a time, a long time, where they owned Art of Shaving, too, in the malls, which was selling traditional shaving tools and safety razors. So they owned both horses. They were going to get you. And I saw that a report from them about you know eight years ago, we were talking about, yeah, the recent beard trend is really hurting our sales for cartridge racers, yada, yada, yada. So, but that's not the whole story. Right. What they should have, what they really could have said was, safety razor, the traditional shaving trend is hurting our sales. But as soon as they bring that up, people turn away from the cartridge racers and start going, well, wait, what are you talking about? What's the safety razor thing? So mm-hmm. I think they just wanted to give the credit to the beard phase, <laughs> knowing that like if they, if they just mentioned that, it's just a phase. It's, you know, it's something you're going through. It's temporary. But if they say safety razors, that might be a permanent move for the people listening. So I thought they were very wise when they were talking about, well, not necessarily wise, but they let the cat out of the bag with that one. For me, anyway, <laughs> someone in the industry on this side of the industry, but a lot of people don't know that too. They owned both brands. So they're going to get you no matter what. <laughs> mm, I mean, that's one way to think about it. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, in the spirit of that, uh, obviously we've got a lot of salon pros that are listening to this podcast, whether they're cosmetologists, barbers, um, how would you go about advising them to advise clients on beard maintenance? Um, I mean, again, you've got a product line. Um, we know how popular they are. Uh, but it's a little bit like sometimes as, you, as we sort of talked about at the top, people just grow for the sake of growing. They want it big. They, they don't know what to do to keep it up. Um, where do you start? Like where are the, that's a good question. Yeah, pro uh, tips. Like I let's see. just, if you couldn't. Yeah. Well, a lot of salon uh, barbers and salonists, like, uh, well, a few that I've seen the salon technicians and so on and so forth, they often get it wrong themselves. And I hate to say that, especially if they're listening. No, but, but that's, typically, that's what this is yeah, for. We want to yeah. educate the masses. Like, they and, do and pick my brain. I've been offered, speaking gigs at different you know schools uh, barber schools and whatnot too to talk about because this is something technically they're often rushed over maybe not so much anymore but they were they were these were you know certificate programs and whatnot so it's not Mm -hmm. like it's not like me where it's my hobby and i pour everything i know into learning about you know facial care facial fur how to treat so you know so it's a different thing they're 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 more broad broadly focused on grooming uh so there's some things they don't so getting your advice from one i guess is what i'm trying to say is not necessarily the best sometimes because they're uh, so for some of these people, it's just a job. It's not their passion. It's just what they're good yep. at, or it's just a job they took. Um, so if you're listening and you're interested in learning more on that, I, I say, you know, people tend to use beard oil a lot. They, that's a product that came on the market that people just pushed and pushed and pushed. I would walk oh down the street God, and see yes. guys with these greasy beards, the sun yep. glistening. You know, I'm in Arizona. <laughs> to say, the sun glistening the, the sun. Yep, they look yes. wet. Like, yes, it looks gross. Like it's sopping. Uh, that's the wrong way to use beard oil. And that's the wrong time to use beard oil too. That, that can hurt your beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can intensify the sun's UV rays on your beard. Mm-hmm. So the first mistake that I see a lot of people doing, again, is using beard oil too early in the day. Use beard oil a couple hours before you go to bed at night when you're sitting in front of the TV. Give it time to absorb into your beard. That's why I say mm-hmm. watch TV or, or read a book, whatever. Yep. But before your head hits the pillow, it'll be absorbed in. So you don't have to worry about any oil or grease stains or anything like that. But that's the best time to use it as a conditioning agent. Um, if you're going to use something during the day, use beard balm. Uh, but don't use too much of it either. This is something else you can just work through your beard. Mm-hmm. Um, but start, uh, treat your beard at night. Uh, uh, even beard bomb, I, I prefer using these things at night where no one's seeing you. But during the day, like just you're trying to condition the, the word condition is you're conditioning it for a certain moment or for, you know, like mm-hmm. so when you condition your body for a big race coming up, the big race is that beard you're wearing every day. So, you mm-hmm. you know, so condition it for that, but don't use the conditioner in it during that. Um, 
So I see that happening a lot. Again, another one would be overusing mustache wax. And sometimes I see the barbers with these super twisted insectoid looking mustaches themselves. So who are you going to get your advice from? I mean, the guys, he, he clearly thinks it's okay. But again, right. unless you're right. competing, I don't see it as fashionable. I see it as just, it's overdoing it. And it looks weird, especially if you're already rocking a beard. And now you have this wiry mustache. It just like shape wise, um, it, it's not aesthetically pleased. It doesn't work together sometimes, the different shapes of the beard versus the mustache. And that has to do with uh, face shape as well. A beard, One beard on one guy is not going to necessarily look the same on another guy. Your mileage may vary. And that's the same thing with, sh with shaving as well. You know, like your mileage may vary. So a razor that works for me, a blade that works for me, may not be the best one for you either. And that's why I tell these guys, you know, if you're going to get into this, buy a sample pack of blades, try as many different blade brands as possible and find the one that works for your face. Hang with each one for a week, take a little note on the back of the packet. It sounds weird when I'm <laughs> hearing myself say that, but seriously, rate it from mm -hmm. one to 10, how it was on your face. Um, and just find the little things that work for you because when it keep, it's just a subjective when you're giving, trying to give advice when it comes to male grooming. You really need to experiment with these things on yourself first and see what works for you. And look at it differently from a different perspective as well. Well, I, I think that it's so important for salon pros to hear honestly, uh, because I mean, this gives them infinite opportunities really to advise their clients that they experiment and like that they have an ongoing conversation because that I think can only enhance the experience and that's it what makes for better conversation too. Exactly. Definitely. Absolutely. Better conversation in the chair. The conversations I've had with the barbers are just like I like I loathe them. It's like, oh God, please don't touch me because or I'm in a taxi or an Uber. It's like sometimes it's like like, okay, you can talk. I mean, but other times it's like, please don't talk to me. And it's like, because it's always the same conversation. It's not, it's not a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, or what's yeah, the weather yeah, doing outside? Yeah, that. But like, yeah. to pass on, to transmit something of worth to me, of value, would be wonderful. And uh, so, yeah, you know, there's that too. If you're in the barber chair, keep it you're uh, rocking around the barber chair, keep it interesting for the person sitting in the barber chair. And I love barbers, don't get me wrong. I, I've never... <laughs> come down on them like that. I seem to be during this conversation, but uh, I just, I deal with so many of them and I love them all. Don't get me wrong. Oh, we wouldn't accuse you of not loving them. Um, <laughs> and they know this is all coming from a good place. We're trying to educate. We're trying to, you know, yeah. uh, bring people into the fold. Um, and speaking of that, I mean, what are some things that people should be considering when they've, they've got a beard? So, I mean, we talked about some products that they should be using, how they should be using it. Why should they be doing these things? Like why would one use a beard balm? Why would one use a beard uh, oil? Like, let's question. just, I mean, come on. It's not known uh, everybody. I mean, they know that they should buy it because, you know, big yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That they that, should, but you know yeah. why? Because, well, a dry beard is going to be a dry and brittle beard. So the hair quality is not going to be, it's not going to be good. It's not going to look mm -hmm. healthy. It's not going to be healthy. It's also might be a little more unruly when it's not conditioned properly. Sure. Uh, so when you condition it, it also, it, it makes it makes it softer and easier to work <laughs> with to comb and brush. So those are reasons right there why I would do that. Um, it's really, again, conditioning. But the, the answer is in the word. You're conditioning your beard. And this can be done really easy. You can make your own oils. I mean, argon oil is great. Even olive oil. Um, or when it comes to beard conditioner, I see people spending lots of money on different beard conditioners out there, but you can just get that cheap, like I think it's VO5, just that fatty looking conditioner, yeah. really thick, not even the hot oil, the, the fat white, like thick looking conditioner that really <laughs> gets some weight to it. Put that in your beard, you know, at night or while you're in the shower, let it sit there while you're doing your thing. But that will do a number on your beard in a, in a good way. That's very, very fatty conditioning stuff. So, you know, stuff like that, 
people tend to overthink these things and get lost in the weeds on a very simple thing that mankind has been doing for a long time, which is growing facial hair. We talked like 60,000 plus years. Um, and look, yeah. in the spirit of not overthinking things, we've come to that time of our conversation in which we get into the quick take. So if you wouldn't mind, Douglas, let's dive in. Um, what is a quote that you love? Uh, the, the Jack Kerouac haiku, does that count as a quote? Sure. Could you okay. break it down? Let's, for, see. Yeah. Let's see. Yep. Um, all day I wore this hat, but not on my head. <laughs> okay. All right. Do we want to <laughs> unpack that at all? I mean, I, I think all. that it's no, okay, good, good, good. No, I like that. Let's leave, let's, let's leave it suspenseful. Um, I think yeah. people can read into it as, as they'd like. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about what you Googled last. It might have just been that, that haiku to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, what did I Google last? You know, it's funny because I actually have a, in my uh, notes on my phone, I have an ongoing list uh, called things I've Googled uh -huh. and I can't tell you what I Googled <laughs> last, but one of the things I definitely Googled is do cats have canines? And it turns oh. out they do. They have canine teeth. I found Damn, that really ironic. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but oh yeah, of course they do. But yeah, yeah. canine teeth, canine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Cats All right. That's a real doozy. Yeah. Which I thought also would make a great band name, Cats of Canines. So that made my Cats other list, list of band names. <laughs> Oh my God, this, yeah, no, this is all making sense now when we're talking yeah, about the brand living at the front. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, what is the cringiest trend that you've tried? Um, I mean, we talked a little bit about facial hair, um, but let's um, let's break it down. The cringiest Maybe it's trend not cringy. Of... Maybe it's just a trend and you liked it and you just want to share it. You know, actually, yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it doesn't come off cringy at the time. You don't realize you're doing it. That's, that's always but, the trick, uh, isn't it? Right. That's how they get you. That's, that's where yeah. you're trapped. But, um, <laughs> it's the, um, Oh, what is it called? It's a, the chin strap beard or just any beard when you're edging along your yeah. jawline, when you yeah. edge right there, yeah. it makes, it makes your neck look really weird. And, yep. and yeah, cause it's where it's that line. Where does yeah. it begin and end? And then it just gets and thinner and thinner. And, yeah. yeah, and if you're not ten, it's wintry or a fallout, mm -hmm. and you're very white. It just looks like this facial hair, like floating right there on this big hot dog or something, or a sausage. <laughs> maybe. I'm not really sure, but that's that was pretty cringy when I real whenever I saw a side view of my face, I was like, oh. So now I try to shave at least an inch, three quarters of an inch below the jawline, just to give it some more and shape it a little better. But that was in the early days. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I had read somewhere that a good rule of thumb, and this is bad because we're going to talk fingers, is like using two fingers above the Adam's apple for like the line for a beard. Have you heard any such silliness? Um, well, being that I don't really have an Adam's apple, I, I oh, wouldn't huh? be able to. That would be, yeah. Yeah. But, but actually, no, it's probably about right. I would say inch more, three quarters of an inch to an inch. And if your fingers are thinner, maybe that works. But, uh, mm. You know, interestingly, though, with the Adam's apple, if people are listening and still thinking about shaving, a lot of people shave over the Adam's apple, which is problematic and causes scraping and whatnot, especially with cartridge razors. So mm -hmm. a trick there is sliding the skin over and shaving it and then slide it back over the other side and shaving it. So never That's shave over the Adam's apple. Move the skin. Skin pulling is huge. Uh, and another thing I should actually touch upon real quick that I left out is yeah. hydration. Hydration. Uh, people don't think lather is all about, you know, uh, I don't know, creating some type of non-friction environment for shaving, which it is, but that's secondary. The first part of lather is holding moisture to the hairs, to the whiskers on your face. The mm. longer the lather sits there, the more water the whisker absorbs, it becomes fatter, softer, and an easier target for the blade. 
So a lot of people don't realize that. But that's why barbers are throwing the hot towel on your face at the beginning uh, or lathering you up and throwing hot towel on top of that. It's just to, so the whiskers absorb all that water. You can absorb about 80% of its own you know, with that, that hair. So, I mean, a lot is going into that when it comes to hydration. So people, hydration is like such a huge element when it comes to shaving. And that's why we call it wet shaving because of all the water mm -hmm. involved. Um, and again, a lot of people miss out on that. And some people don't even experience it when they're using goo in a can. They're using very little water, using more chemicals and more soapy stuff. But the most important thing you can do for your face when shaving is hydrating it rather than over lathering it. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. That was, a, I mean, yeah. the, the most appropriate tangent to go on. Um, so <laughs> I think like, if, if people don't walk away knowing that, then what have we done? Yeah. So thank yeah. you for, for bringing it back. Uh, so speaking of getting things what is shampoo bars? We've seen, um, you know, we talked about this in our conversation, um, things that are bad for the environment, things that are good for the environment, rethinking product. Uh, so getting yep. rid of wasteful plastic. So again, we've seen shampoo bars, conditioner bars. Um, have you used it? Do you like it? Would you use it if you haven't? Uh, yeah, I use them and I, we also make them. We offer, we sell them on our site as well. Look at that. Uh, Look at that. Like I make collections. Again, I, I have over 70 different fragrances to choose from. They all have come from collections. So there'll be a matching shave soap, aftershave, cologne, Uve Parfum, uh, uh, aftershave jelly, body soap, shampoo bar. And we do conditioning shampoo bars, which are based on old time shampoo bars from back in the day. Because that's what they were doing before liquid shampoos were popular. Exactly. They were doing shampoo bars. Yeah, exactly. So we really wanted to keep it simple and easy for people. And um, I just wanted a huge trip in Europe uh, a couple, about a month and a half ago. And the entire trip, I just kept my shampoo bar on me the entire time. And that was saved, saved my bacon many a time. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> Um, yeah. smart, smart, environmentally friendly. I mean, like, let's, exactly. let's make that happen. Glad kudos to you guys for, for actually investing in making that. Um, we are excited when brands are doing things like this because yeah. we all need to be more mindful about, you know, what the hell we're, we're producing, consuming all of yeah. it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And like, even our packaging, I mean, we've been doing this for a decade now and mm -hmm. all, all along the way, whenever we could, we make changes where we could. And, uh, mm -hmm. Even in the early days, we were using biodegradable, um, you know, plastic wrap and stuff like that. You know, earth-friendly, you know, more eco-friendly packaging. And now we're we've been working. You know, we have our glass bottles we've had uh, specially made for different products. But it's always been a problem with uh, the shaving soap because they go in plastic tubs. And mm. granted, they're recyclable plastic, but we're trying to get something more biodegradable or more just yep. earth-friendly glass. They, they all all these different ways have their own problems, but we're trying to you know, make changes where we can. It's just it's proving diff, you know, it's a certain things it's difficult because you're pouring a hot soap into a jar, so it has yeah. to, you know, survive the heat there. And then a shave soap can last you know a year, so it has to survive you know in, the, in that environment as well as wet environment. So finding the right packaging there is proving to be a challenge. But we've been doing it, putting in the time for the last three years, really trying to up our game when it comes to earth friendly and eco friendly packaging. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's, it's no, huge. I'm glad that again. I, I think like it is so important that we're hearing this um, from folks like yourself uh, to push yeah. the bigger guys to do their part as well um, because and it's they incredible are. that you're in. Well, they they, they are. They could do yeah. better. Uh, we all could. No, they definitely, they definitely need a, they need a kick in the butt. I mean, like, um, you know, sometimes what they do gives us permission. Like, because our our audience, our crowd is, you know, we got uh, the salt of the earth here too. So it's mm -hmm. not they're not necessarily hip to a lot of these concepts, yep. or they're older gentlemen, they're older women. You know, they just it, it's mm -hmm. a cultural thing as well, or a yep. gap thing. Um, so when the bigger companies do certain things, like I know Art of Shaving start stop selling animal hair brushes. And moved mm -hmm. over to vegan brushes, which we've been doing the entire time. I'm vegan. Yep. So my entire time we've been doing vegan products. 
but then with that, it gave us a little bit of credibility. Suddenly people aren't, mm-hmm. you know, poo-pooing on like, oh, it's right. not animal hair though, uh, <laughs> which is totally like an American thing. Like in, in Europe and uh, uh, the UK, like they, they get it. You know, over here, you can barely find a vegan option on a menu. Over there, you've mm-hmm. got vegan menus Everywhere. within the menu, you know? Yep. So they yep. get it. It's just, so there's a culture thing too we're trying to overcome. And so sometimes with the backing of what a corporation's doing or when they do it, again, it lends a little more credibility to what the smaller guy are doing. Then they go, oh, okay, you know, then they get it. Um, so I got to give them credit where the credit's due when it comes to some of these bigger changes that we're able to make now and be easily accepted or much more easily accepted as we were even just a year ago. Exactly. Well, good strides that they're making. Um, talking about being a vegan, let's pivot into one of our last questions, which is what animal are you most like? Um, David Lee Roth. Oh, okay. An David Lee Roth is probably my spirit we'll, animal. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. Um, that's fine. <laughs> Again, we'll let people read into that what they will. Um, what is one product that you cannot live without and it cannot be one of your own? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, this is weird too because, and I, I sound like I'm being difficult, but I don't even no. have a favorite color. I don't have a favorite color because I feel like it's self-limiting. And like when the that's whole hard. world is already willing to limit you where they can with everything. Yeah. It's like, why limit myself with like products? Uh, so I, I, that's why I actually make so many fragrances and stuff as well. And that's why I make so many razors too, because it's like, why not? I can do this. And with each new day, my mood changes as well and what I'm into. So it's like, I try to sure. be really just open to a lot of things. I mean, there are definitely products. I'm trying to go, uh, you know, one of my favorite razors is a Gillette red tip, vintage 1955 they really get everything right. Check off all the boxes for me. Uh, <laughs> visually appealing, aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you know, they get form and function. Uh, great shaver, great razor. Um, just right there. So that's one of my favorite, favorite razors of all time. Okay, we'll allow it. That sounds like it was <laughs> pretty easy to come to. Um, okay, yeah. what is some advice that you've got for folks that want to make it to the top of any industry, but maybe the salon professional slash beauty industry uh, like yourself? Um, geez, I wish there was a blueprint for that. I really, you know, <laughs> it, was, it, it was timing. Timing was right when we got in. Uh, and I, you know, so many things going for, for me and my, uh, my partners, you know, mm-hmm. we, we even do, we don't have children. I mean, we can work 24 seven if we want and we do, uh, you know? So, I mean, it's like, yeah. there's a lot we gave up to do what we in do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're willing to give up things, and do things that other people can't then yeah you can go places but i mean like we really the the trick for me and i can't stress this enough is just pouring everything you love into what you're doing and i mean people can listen to this interview with me and learn what i've done you know creating this character universe and you know what we've done but i'm not saying do what we've done in that regard just do something passionately do something Mm -hmm. originally um you know and, and you will stick and just and be people will pick up on that. The, and even if the people don't pick up on that, if it's a quality product, the market will pick up on that. <laughs> and, you know, but you just gotta, you gotta work hard every day. If there's things that you don't like doing when it comes to marketing, advertising, learning new software, you have to get past that and learn to love these things. And it's not something you can force either. It's just the more you do these things, the more it becomes old hat to you. It doesn't seem as boring or hard or time consuming as once as it once did when you weren't doing these things. You gotta understand there's a different you. There's the you that doesn't know these things, considering doing these things now, that's gonna uh-huh. be totally different once you know how to do these things. <laughs> and once you do, you'll you'll thank me for that advice. But you have to know, you have to fall in love with what you're doing is what it all comes down to. And you also have to know when to leave your day job. A lot of times mm-hmm. you will never know 
when mm-hmm. to leave your day job. Uh, I was actually, I, I, I was one of these people that found that trap um, where my boss, I'd worked there for years. Uh, he eventually came up to me and said, hey, you got to go. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you got to go doing your own thing. You're, you're involved in this now. You've been working on this hard. And I was like, well, but are you firing me? He's like, no. He's like, I'm giving you a gift. I'm letting you know mm-hmm. something that you typically probably wouldn't pick up on your own. And, it's like, and it was a gift. I wouldn't have known when to stop and focus primarily on what I was doing. So know that going into any business that you, there's going to be a point where someone else from the outside is going to probably say something very similar to you and listen to them. Another piece of advice is know when to back off and know when to let go of certain things. Mm-hmm. There may be products that you're making that are not selling, but you're completely in love with the product. Don't mm-hmm. fall in love with your products because it's good, you know, else, otherwise you're going to hang on them and sell them far too long when you need to, to take up shelf space. You yep. also have to know when to let go when it comes to employees too, what jobs and roles you're going to give them. You can't do mm-hmm. it all and you're going to hire people and you're still going to want to do it all. You've got to let some of the control go. And that's another hard lesson to learn when you're, you're just starting off these things. Well, I mean, these are lessons that you've clearly learned that, you know, maybe oh people God. don't have to <laughs> learn the hard way. I have made way, every um, mistake. Every mistake. Which is honest. I, uh, we appreciate yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> people are maybe not willing to talk to bad. these things. Huh? I should also yeah. mention right now, too, Douglas Smythe is not my real name. It's my, like, stage name I use as well, uh, my pen name. Um, I, uh, you know, I, we have a TV show. We have a YouTube show. I've had three mm-hmm. podcasts. I, I write under this name. So it's something I've always used. But... Um, yeah, that's also caused confusion in the past as well. So I got to be clear, like, no, no, this is, it's like Colonel Sanders. It's like Ronald McDonald. Uh-huh. And whenever I'm in wet shaving traditional trader grooming mode uh, or at conferences, I go by Douglas Smith. It's easier. It also protects my privacy as an individual mm-hmm. out there in this day and age. Also important. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Douglas, thank you so much for your time. We've really appreciated you being on the podcast. I feel like we learned a lot. I learned a lot. I hope, I hope so. that our listeners <laughs> did too. Before we wrap, how can they find you one last time? Where can they go? Okay, by all means, go to phoenixshaving.com. They can interact with me there. They can contact me through the page there. There's a blog. Um, also, douglasmythechannel.com will take them to my personal YouTube channel, uh, which is not as sexy as I'd Lather Be Shaving, which is the uh, shave show. But both, if it comes to high value and information and content being king, then uh, both are worthy to check out. We also do a, a traditional shaving conference we have over the last six years, actually the last couple of years, we haven't for obvious reasons, uh, COVID, um, but we're hopefully picking that up again, 2023, but that's called the big cool. shave or the big shave West. And, uh, so that's another thing for industry. You know, we have people from the industry there. We have panel discussions, we have booths, we have artisans, we have barbers doing, uh, live cuts, shaves, uh, mostly shaves, actually not cuts, but shaves, um, lots of, it's just, it's it's an epic time. Again, sounds silly when I hear myself say it out loud, but we yeah, we have a traditional shaving conference that's pretty epic. <laughs> well, I mean, we'd love to be there. So let us know as Definitely. plans develop for 2023. For sure. We're looking forward to to being back at you know these in-person events. Uh, but thank you again for for being on the pod. Uh, and make sure, listeners, that you go and check out some of these links all in the show notes. We made it nice and easy for you. Cool. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Jeff, what a story. I loved it, right? Oh, I mean, we, could, the I mean we really got into it. There's yeah. so many things. So, um, lots to unpack in that one. Lots to unpack. Things that I hadn't really <laughs> thought of. Um, big, I think, what did he call it? Big razor is really something to be worried about. Um, it's why we all yeah. are getting a subpar shave. Um, I don't know that I'm mm. going to go after a single razor after this combo. 
but Mm -hmm. it made me think about it. And that is key. So, I mean, kudos to Douglas. He's doing the damn thing. Um, And I'm really interested in this Phoenix shaving universe. Like, good for him. Like, getting Mm -hmm. all of the creativity into a brand um, is refreshing. Like, in the spirit of being weird, we were talking about flirty frogs. Like, (laughs) live it up. Like, if you've got a brand, like, make it your own. Uh, so there's there's that on top of things. So agree. So be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees, and send in questions, questions about flirty frogs to Jeffrey and I at volumeup at thetees.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode. <laughs>